What's up, guys? Welcome to the K-Take episode six. I'm your host, Kate Bronstein. I hope you guys are having a way less stressful week than me because the Phillies are in the World Series and every single day is like torture. Because if you know me, you know that I like football more than baseball. And one of the reasons why is because, well, it doesn't take an entire week in a Super Bowl situation to know who's going to win, okay? When I have to sit here and wait a week and game by game and it just keeps going like that, uh, it's, it's difficult. It definitely puts my anxiety through the roof and we're still stuck in that until I guess the Astros win another game or we magically pull off two wins in a row. And that's been my life over the last week or so. Just kind of diving myself into the world of sports, if you will. But I was looking forward to something that was coming out, and it came out yesterday. But we are going to talk a little bit more about sports kind of at the end of this. But I wanted to really make the majority of today about Selena Gomez. Now, why Selena Gomez? She put out a trailer a month ago, actually my birthday. So October 10th, she put out a trailer for My Mind and Me. And this documentary was supposed to kind of give an insight on her life over the past six years, because they started filming it around 2016. And I was interested in this for a couple reasons. One, I wanted to see how certain aspects of her life worked as far as being famous, because I don't know what being famous entails. But before I do that, I do want to clarify a few things. I posted a reel on Instagram about how the first time I watched it, which was last night, like right as it premiered, I watched it. And I was really tired when I watched it. So I didn't get a great perception of it. If you have an issue with me saying my honest opinion about it, then maybe this isn't for you. Because just because you're famous and you're beloved by millions of people does not make you immune to criticism. I can't stress that enough. And somehow, because it's Selena Gomez and it's a girl who everybody listened to and watched growing up and she was so part of our lives and mental health is important, yes, I get all of that, and all of that is insanely valid. But I posted a reel on Instagram explaining this concept of you're not immune to criticism just because you're famous, rich, and everybody loves you. And I got the dirtiest comment from somebody, so I deleted the reel, because I'm not going to play that game. If you want me to sit here and kiss somebody's ass just because they're famous and rich and beloved, that's not what I do. So none of this also is saying that mental health is unimportant. Of course it's important. It is drastically important. And as somebody who suffers on the daily with mental health, I can tell you it's very important. The work she does for mental health is incredible. I'm coming at this from a former media student who edits video and audio herself, who has written scripts, who has taken so many writing courses, 
and knows how to put, well, I think I do anyway, knows how to put together a video that is at least, you know, sustainable, watchable. Again, people disagree on that. That's totally fine. I don't, you know, chastise them and call them bigots or anything because that's also stupid. But there's a fine line between criticism and hate. I am not hating on Selena Gomez. I am not. I think she's probably a lovely person. I've never met her. So I come from it as the angle of, well, I can't, you know, judge if I like a person or not based on anything except me meeting you in person. That's just how I operate. And I'm looking at this from a film media school perspective. Who was the director? Who were the producers? Who decided which clip goes where? Does it flow nicely? I'm looking at it from that lens. So I had to say all of that before I go into the meat and potatoes of what happened in this documentary. She had a great trailer for this. The trailer had me hooked. It had a song that she had not yet released. This is, about, again, October 10th, back when she released the trailer. I would argue that the trailer is better than the actual documentary because you want to get grabbed in. The song was great. She released the song two days ago. So the day before the documentary was released and the song, when I first heard it, I was like, why is it so short? <laughs> it was really short. It was maybe like two minutes and 25 seconds, something like that. And I don't know if she put it out with the intention of having it be, yeah, this is just the trailer music or the song, um, but it's not long. It's only as two verses and a little a small bridge and then the chorus which everybody if you've heard the song knows kind of expected more from the song i wish i think she has done more and she should put more in again just my opinion i'm not dissing the song i think the song's beautiful and my favorite part of the song, I guess I have a favorite part of the song, is when she says, my mind and me, we don't, we don't get along sometimes. Great line. Just wish it was longer. That's it. Let's get into this, Doc. A couple things I noticed throughout the entire documentary. There was a lot of the piano interlude for her song where it goes, da, 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 da. Like that is throughout the documentary, but it's in random places as background music over and over again. And I didn't like the placement of the song. I very much think background music drives a story. And for some reason, this one, it didn't, it didn't make me feel like it had the right placement in the documentary. It was just kind of all over the place. Another thing that was all over the place it was text that were showing on like a black screen and it was, I guess, a diary entry. And it happened again over and over and over and I didn't understand the meaning of that placement. Why was it where it was? And I'm sure somebody has a reason out there for me, but as a viewer, I didn't really understand it. It was just, I guess, thoughts that she's had over the years that she wrote in a journal and that she felt like I, we need to put this in there. Again, fine, but I didn't understand it. The whole thing begins with her getting ready for a tour and she was 
talking a little bit about how she thinks everything sucks, like with the tour and how she doesn't like, you know, what she's wearing and all that. She's very insecure with herself. And I have been there. Like, I feel that very deeply because she thought that she wasn't performing well. She didn't like her look on the screen, like the the screens that they have when a person's at a concert and they're, you know, you know what I mean? She didn't like the look of herself on there, which again, I have been there too. I don't perform in concerts, obviously, but you know, when I'm getting ready in the morning, that's like the equivalent for somebody who's not rich and famous and a singer, right? It's just looking in the mirror and being like, nah, not today. I get that too. And she mentions Justin Bieber for the first time. Now, this is one of my bigger pet peeves with the whole thing. Why did she not go further into detail about Justin? If I were to show this documentary to somebody who's never seen it before, and they were just watching her be, you know, feel terribly, we would sympathize with that. And then we'd question, okay, but what made you this way? And I know, and we know, that Justin had a huge impact on that. There was no talk of Justin, except for two times. One time was right as the documentary starts. She said that she keeps getting associated with Justin and she just wants to be her own person, which I agree. The other time is towards the end of the documentary, towards the end, where she's discussing the song Lose You to Love Me. And that she said the song is more than just losing a lover. Okay. But why not go into more detail? Selena, I want to know how you felt about what he did. I want to know the behind the scenes intricacies of you dealing with those emotions that aren't going on stage and being with other people. I want to know your version of what happened. Go in depth. And there was none of that in the documentary. None. You could see her struggling throughout the whole thing. And I understand and I sympathize, especially with her health issues as well. Now, I don't have lupus, but I have rheumatoid arthritis. So I know the pain of not being able to open a water bottle. I'm very familiar with that. And walking... um, Your knee could have it one day or your wrists the other. I get that. But having that also on top of issues with guys, I get even more. But share that, Selena. It wasn't shared. It's like you can't mention Justin one time and then not and then expect everybody to know just because you expect them to read tabloids or the news. If somebody had no idea who you were, and again, no idea who Justin was, would they really get a grasp on how difficult that was for you and how difficult that is on so many other people? I just thought that she would go further into that. And Justin wasn't mentioned really except for one time and then alluded to in another i compare it often to demi lovato's documentary in 2017 she came out with simply complicated and the simply complicated documentary was very interesting and educational because she went into detail about wilmer vanderama 
her relationship with him throughout the years, how they met, how she feels about him still, how she felt about him. And I thought that was very vulnerable to put her feelings out there like that. Now, I'm not saying Selena still likes Justin. Clearly, she doesn't. I'm not saying that every documentary has to be the same. She has a right to tell her own story. I get all of that. Sorry, guys, for all these disclaimers, but I just feel like I have to say it because this is what people are going to criticize me for by criticizing this. They're going to say, well, she could do what she wants. It's her documentary. It's fine. Well, yes, correct. But it doesn't mean we can't wish things were more elaborated on. Another thing that was barely mentioned was Francia Reisa, the girl who gave up a kidney for Selena when she was first diagnosed with lupus and her arthritis was through the roof bad and she needed a new kidney. And if you didn't watch that interview with Savannah Guthrie on the Today Show about that, then you might not know the details Details which she put in that interview, she did not put in the documentary. So you're coming at this from, I don't feel well mentally. I don't feel well physically. Both very important things to bring awareness to and all that. But you didn't mention who gave you the kidney. Why was she not in the documentary? Why wasn't there more interviews from people that have seen you go through this? There were a couple, but not a whole lot. I was felt lost a lot of the time. You mentioned you have lupus, but you didn't mention that your best friend saved your life. Should have been mentioned. The weekend, the, you know, the weekend, the singer, that relationship never mentioned. She was with him for like two years. Why was that not brought up? Things like that, I think would have added so much more context to the documentary. And it wasn't. Nothing was mentioned. I just wish she went into more depth. I know I've said it over and over and I'm a broken record, but imagine, I'm just thinking about the documentary for a second, and what would have been if she just went into detail about that? Oh, Kate, well, she went into detail about other things. She talked about her work in Kenya, which is fantastic, okay? She talked about her cousin. She briefly talked about her cousin, briefly talked about her family, And I'm going to say this, and I know I'm going to get hate for it, but I got to say it. If a random person were watching this, completely blind, as far as knowing who she is and stuff, they would have probably said, why is she so upset about being famous and rich? Is that really what she's complaining about? I think that is an arrogant comment to make. But I'm also saying this from a perspective of somebody who's followed her for years and knows what's going on only because I followed her for years. If you didn't follow her for years, you would watch this and be very confused. Okay, why is she upset? Oh, she has lupus. Okay, we understand that part. But what's with the montage of paparazzi and news article headlines, which there is in in the documentary, that is really the only mention of certain things. And I don't know if she didn't want to mess up you know, Justin and Haley's marriage, or she didn't want to bring stuff up because apparently she's good with Haley now. Apparently she's good with Justin, so she didn't want to bring their names into it to avoid conflict or whatever the reason is. There still could have been an explanation of her feelings that doesn't, you know, toe the line too much. She canceled a tour, the rare tour. No, that's the name of her beauty line. 
I, f- I forget the name of the tour, but she canceled a tour. This is all pre-COVID, by the way, to give you some context. So she went to a psychiatric hospital. I sympathize with that greatly. She briefly goes to her hometown, her old school, her old house, the old neighborhood. She talks about booking Barney for the first time. But then she doesn't really talk about Barney that much. But she said it was like an escape for her. She visits somebody and no one clarified who it was. She didn't say who it was. There was no caption saying who it was. So like she visited somebody. That's literally what my notes say. It was some older uh, woman in her hometown that had a dollhouse, uh, I guess, that she used to play with or something. But I don't know who this person is. Was it a friend? Was it a nanny? Was it someone she knew just in the area? Did she help do chores for her? Nobody explained. Just tell me what this person means to you. And that wasn't mentioned or explained at all. So I was very confused. She gave a speech at a mental hospital annual dinner. That was really nice to hear her do that. She wrote Lose You to Love Me in 45 minutes. So that was cool to learn that it only took her 45 minutes to write that song. And that was her biggest song ever was Lose You to Love Me. So that's pretty cool. And then on top of that, though, saying how Lose You to Love Me was more about just losing a lover. It was about, you know, coming into your own and stuff like that. Girl, we know that the song, I mean, the people who have followed you for years, we know the song is because you're pissed off about Justin Bieber meeting somebody else within two months and getting engaged to her, which is a perfectly normal and human thing to say. No, Selena Gomez does not owe me anything, okay? But again, just, I wish there was more explanation because we can hear it in the lyrics of that song. So why doesn't she just say it herself? She has the right to do whatever she wants. I'm just saying that... It would confuse a lot of people. Then she goes to Kenya. My favorite part was when she went to Kenya. When she started talking to the people there and she was with her friend Raquel. Like that was really nice to see just the work she was doing for the WE organization is what it's called. Um, And then to find out that all of her work pretty much went kaput. Because it was a Canadian company and Selena Gomez raised a lot of money for them and did a lot of stuff for them. And then they did something in Canada with it with Justin Trudeau and it messed, got all messed up. So basically her work there was null and void, which stinks. I guess this documentary is a good explanation for what happened. Okay, cool. It ends with the first scene. So the first scene you see is her in 2019 and then it ends like that too. And then COVID is mentioned as well, briefly at the end. It just seemed like a whole conglomeration of what is going on. It was random with the overarching theme of mental health struggles and just health struggles in general. It was the way it was put together. And she didn't talk much, like I said, about her cousin, didn't go into depth on him, Lupus, Francia Raisa, The constant interjections of text that were appearing on the screen was confusing. And those are things that I think the general public really wanted to hear about. They wanted to hear about your struggles with Justin. They wanted to hear in-depth things about your relationships and stuff. Taylor Swift had a better documentary. She didn't have to go into super detail about guys and things, but she went into a decent amount to the point where we could understand. 
this came from the perspective of, oh, you didn't know this already? Oh, well, good luck watching the rest. And that's my biggest issue with it. I watched it twice. I sat through it twice. And I didn't feel like I learned anything new. The only thing that is an exception to that would be Kenya. That's it. But you started shooting this, Selena Gomez, in 2016. 2016, you started shooting this? And there's not more information you could have given us? This isn't against you specifically. It's against whoever produced this documentary. The song isn't longer. The song, um, My Mind and Me, Not Lose You to Love Me. Wasn't longer. It felt like, it felt like you get a steak for dinner and the steak has no juice to it. There's no sauce. Just dry. That's what this was like. And again, it's not saying that she's bad. It's just saying there could have been more done here. There could have been more detail to give. I wanted, I, I didn't come in for the drama. I don't want to know about her struggles with Justin because of the drama. I wanted to know how she really felt about it. Oh, Kate, you can hear it through her music. I want to hear it from her talking. There has been interviews done with her and Ryan Seacrest and other people that give a pretty good depiction of how she felt about certain things. That's great. But if a person, you know, in the public watching this didn't want to go searching for those interviews, I think they would be a little left in the dark with this one. It's still not a bad documentary. It's just I wish there was more involved. So before you say I have no empathy, before you say that all my criticisms are wrong because I'm not her, so I don't know her life, before you say I need to like it because you must have sympathy and if you had sympathy, you would like it, think about what I just said and why I said it. It's not because you hate the person. It's you want to hear more. And I expected more. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who feels this way. I gotta talk my fillies. I gotta talk my fillies. Nola, you screwed us. And I hope you know that you screwed us. How in the hell do you make the mistake of letting them get up five runs in one inning? Do you know that you're in the World Series? Are you aware that you're playing for a World Championship title? And do you know who you're playing? You're playing the Houston Astros. History of cheating. And you let up five runs the other night. Unbelievable. I, my dad and I were sitting there watching the game and I thought, this isn't happening. Because the previous night, we beat them 7 nothing, And now we got beaten 5 nothing. Last night, we were so damn close. We got left behind two, they got three. We fought hard. I can give you that. But I was so disappointed because all of us here in Philly, we were waiting for the series to end in Philly. None of us wanted to go back to Houston. But here we are flying back to Houston, and those guys have one more game to win, and they win the World Series. We have two we have to win, so we have to beat them both times. Nola, 
dumb mistake. Dumb. It was 0-0 going into that inning. Was it bottom of the fifth or something like that? I don't remember off the top of my head. I guess we'll see. I mean, I, there's no predictions. Who do you think is going to I don't really know because we could beat them both times. But we're not playing in front of the home crowd. We have to go all the way back there and play however many games it takes, I guess. So irritating. So annoying. I, I That's the last thing we wanted to do. How cool would it have been? Let's talk about what might have been for a second. How cool would it have been if we had just ended that in Philly? Two in Houston, three in Philly, and then it's done and we win? We'd be celebrating tonight. We'd be in celebrations planning our victory parade. Will there be a victory parade? We don't know. And Nola, I blame you. And that's all the baseball talk that I'm going to go in here because if I talk about it more, guys, I'm just going to get more pissed off and I don't want to talk until the series is over. That way my anxiety will be gone because I'll know, I'll know. Eagles, way too comfortable where they are. We have had the easiest schedule I've seen in recent years. Oh, Eagles are Super Bowl bound. Oh, it's my team. And I'm telling you, we could be. But I think we're getting way too cozy. Hopefully not to the point of arrogance. But the more comfortable we get when we really have not been tested as a team, who have we really gotten a hard test against? We have not played the Chiefs. We don't have them in our schedule this year. We have not played the Bills. The first time we play them would be the Super Bowl. What, do we go to a Super Bowl to lose or do we go to win? There's no team. I'm looking at the schedule. No team that could really give us a run for our money except for maybe Dallas because Dak's back. When we play them on Christmas Eve, you better not ruin my Christmas. Do not ruin my Christmas. I'm telling you, do not do it. We have the Titans coming up. We have Washington on the 14th. Um, We also have the Bears at some point in the mix, the Giants. But look, there is no way that they're not enjoying themselves because it's an easy schedule. If we had a hard schedule, we would not have a perfect season. We are not a tested team. We kind of go through each game every week like we're just floating around like, yeah, oh, we got this one. We're going to win. If we get tested and tested well, that'll really show are we the best team. The record shows that we're the best team, but are we really? Yeah, we have no drama in the locker room because Carson Wentz is in Washington. We got this. No, I'm not that confident. I want to be. I'm just not because... We don't have difficult teams because they're all playing garbage football. We need teams that play good football to go against so we can really test our skills. Jalen Hurts is MVP in my mind. But when we play a difficult team, what's going to happen? Are we going to lose? I would hope not. Yeah, we got A.J. Brown. Sanders is killing it out there, but doesn't matter. I just wish we had a harder schedule so we could really be tested before it matters the most. I just think like we're walking through the meadow playing right now. So maybe I'm going to have to wait until we play the Cowboys, but I just think that other teams have had more difficult schedules. And then aspects of it, yeah, we're better as a team. I want us to go to the Super Bowl 
but I don't want the first time we play a difficult team to be at the Super Bowl. That's it for today, folks. Tomorrow, I have a laundry list of things I got to go over. So we're going to end it there tonight, but I will see you guys tomorrow. Please make sure that you follow this podcast that's now on Apple Podcasts. So if you look up the Kate Take, I should pop right up. And thank you so much for listening to today's show. And I'll see you guys in a later episode. Bye.